0: Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 48 of the Empowering Industry Podcast. It's World Water Day. It's one of my favorite days to celebrate. So welcome and thanks for being here. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bethany Walmack.
1: Hey, Charlie. Hey to everyone that's watching this, listening to this. Thanks for choosing us like you do every Monday. Leave us a rating and review, comments on the YouTube, wherever you are. Just let us know what you think about the show. This week, just like every week, we're going to cover something from social media, cover the news from the Empowering Pumps and Equipment newsletter, and then connect you with an awesome industry influencer. But I know you had a really awesome week that I know you want to talk about, Charlie. So tell me what you had going on this week.
0: Well, I went down to Gulf Shores with a family and it was awesome. But I do have to say that every time we go to the beach, there has to be pump talk. So we go down there and you see like uh, these different distributors and different gas places. I don't know how you say this uh, other than, you know, you see the flaring on the side of the road. It's, it's amazing to, to just go on a vacation and then you see all of the different pump talk along the way. And now my family points it out. I don't have to point it out to them. Well, they should listen. They should go back and listen
1: to that interview with Larry, because now every time I start my dishwasher, I think to myself, <laughs> Ooh, pump talk. Look at all That's these ex- pumps involved in making my dishwasher work.
0: <laughs> That's right. So I always joke because I can't go to uh, the beach without pump talk. Uh, but it was beautiful. I mean, I, I much needed getaway, especially like the reminder of a year ago, being down there with COVID and being back down there and being like, you know what, it's okay. We can go to the beach and we're not getting you know slammed by the media for you know, being on the <laughs> beach. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun and the weather was fabulous. And I did have to come home a little early because we left Luca here with my brother. Thank you, Corey, for watching him. And I missed him and I was like ready to come back to like get my snuggles with Luca. So I guess I'm a dog mom now. And yeah. Added to the list of things that quarantine,
1: COVID, whatever has made you. Dog mom. That's right. That's right. Never thought that would happen.
0: Yeah. And so one other thing I wanted to mention is Franklin Electric. Uh, They highlighted me for their campaign on Women's Month, right? And Women's History Month. And, you know, just thinking about what kind of history do you want to make was really impactful. But some of the things that were mentioned and to see the industry kind of come behind that post and engage with it and comment, it means a lot because that's what I was trying to accomplish with using my voice and and bringing attention to the industry and, and making sure that uh, we talk about all these different things about leadership and what it really means. So uh, just wanted to give them a little shout out because it really did touch my week or touch me this week. So what about you, Bethany? How was your week?
1: Well, First, the Franklin Electric post was awesome. I was really proud of you. I'm always proud of you when I see other people sharing your stuff.
0: Yes. It's like I didn't have to do it myself. Yeah. I didn't have to create that graphic. That's amazing. That's right. That's right.
1: But my week was good. It's spring break here. I'm sure like it is everywhere. And so our schedules have been a little different. Uh, Our babysitter was out and we really missed her a lot. But we got to see a lot of family that came. I had like my aunt and uncle came to see us on Tuesday and my parents were here to help watch the boys and... It's just, you know, a good good week at home and my dad and Bowen planted tomatoes in the backyard, which just sounds oh, so little, gosh. but it's like no. the sweetest thing and it's I remember doing that with my dad when I was um little and so watching him doing it with my kid just gives me all the feels and
0: was, you know, made my week. So that's awesome. Yeah, and then you'll get to pick them together. It'll be just great. So and I'm the
1: only one in my house that likes tomatoes, so <laughs> the haul is all mine. <laughs> That's right. They're making them just for you. And, you know, to grow a garden, you need water. And you talked about it being World Water Day. If you're listening to this on Monday, it is currently World Water Day, March 22nd. And, you know, that's something that's really important to our industry. And we're excited to share it with all of you.
0: Yeah. And if you want to, you know, take a look on the website, worldwaterday.org, the theme of World Water Day is valuing water. And I mean, we could go into this in so many different ways, but. Water means different things to you know everybody, and I will really want to know what it means to you. So, and there's a lot of different ways that we can, you know, know that, bring you on here to have you talk about it. You can mention us, but I'll just say that we want to hear from you, right? And what it means to you. So what does it mean to you, Bethany, like the water part?
1: You know, up until like a month ago, I think I just didn't, it's one of the things you don't think about a ton other than obviously working with empowering pumps and when we talk about water but so many places in Texas like didn't have water and so we were like filling our bathtubs like holding water so we would have water to flush the toilets like those kind of things and it really you don't know how much you appreciate something until even the threat of it being taken away is there and so you know right now for me it means a lot because i'm thinking about like using getting water for my kids formula that i'm mixing up you know and is it clean? Yeah, all of these things. And so um, why am I so emotional on today's podcast? <laughs> Everything. It, it meant matters. a lot to me. And, and on World Water Day on the .org website, you know, they talk about how different people, it means different things no matter like depending on where they live and if it's part of their livelihood or their cultural practices and all those kind of things. And I think it just like really crystallized how our life does revolve around water.
0: It really does, and you know, it's it's special to my heart. And I've, I think the pump industry really did put it front and center for me. And just seeing that, you know, you definitely need pumps to to have water and all of the different things. But it's really about those people and the people behind, you know, bringing that to to work for us and and to provide for us that clean water. Somebody had to figure out what was going on in Houston, right, and get the water back, yeah. Uh, yeah. so the power back to run the water. Um, yeah. But you know, for me it touched my life. I see like so many people around the world don't have access to water. We have a problem with water scarcity and it's going to get worse if we don't focus on it. And so one of the things I do is look for different ways that I can support this. And we did this most recently with the campaign "Buy pump save lives. And I think it's super cool because I mean, as you can just imagine this pump going into a community and the whole community coming together to build something and that's their life, right? In order to build businesses and and just family activities, right? Like imagine all the things that like kayaking or boating or, or just like staring at a lake, you know, they, they don't have this. And so looking for that, looking for ways to shine the light and highlight what does water mean to you? And it means all that to me, right? From our drinking water it brings us our health. And helps us think to, you know, making sure that my kids have something fun to do that's outside and awesome. And I don't have to worry about them, you know, getting some type of disease from the water. Those are the things that I think about on a regular basis when I talk about water. So one
1: last thing before we get off of World Water Day. The campaign really wants you to share, you know, what it means to you, like Charlie said. So if you're sharing on social media, use the hashtag, hashtag World Water Day and hashtag Water 2, the number 2, me, um, and let us know what it means to you and tag us at Empowering Pumps so we can see the message as well and use the hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast and, you know, say thank you. So thank you to everyone that helps me get clean water so I don't have to worry and do all these things like
0: Charlie was just saying. I love it. And I loved how you did that little too with as on the screen. It was awesome. Two for, um, I guess I should try to do it backwards. This
1: is riveting things for people listening to just the audio. I'm sure, but um,
0: incentive to go check
1: us out on YouTube. Right.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay, let's get social.
1: Let's get social. I've been thinking about it this, and I've decided that Let's Get Social can also be something that I see on social media that I want to share with you. And what I saw this week on social media that I think you all should know is Charlie wrote a blog. I totally did. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. But And before we get to that awesome blog and we share with you all about what it means to be a leader and how you can use your voice to be a leader,
0: we want to share with
1: you our virtual meetups that we have happening.
0: Right. So the Empowering Women's Meetup is going to be Wednesday, April 14th. It's every second Wednesday at 11 central time. And then Empowering Brands Meetup is going to be Tuesday, April the 20th, every third Tuesday at 3 p.m. central time. So register, get ready to turn on your camera, introduce yourself, have some fun with us. It's one of my favorite times of the week for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. On that note, I do want to give a shout out, okay? So anytime that you want to be mentioned on the show, all you have to do is mention us at Empowering Pumps or using the hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast. And so somebody, you know, listened to me and did that. Uh, and <laughs> thank you very much. First of all, let's talk about Matt. Matt, uh, who was editing the podcast while Bethany was out, shout out Matt. He starts his Mondays watching... Us on YouTube. And I just think that that's awesome. I mean, first of all, we're on YouTube, Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) it was just really fun, Matt. Thanks for, you know, creating that image that you sent out on social, you know, showing kind of where your space is and what you're listening to.
1: I think it's really cool that he like still listens to the show,
0: even though he's, you know, um, I'm back and he's
1: not producing it. It's so fun.
0: Well, he was a fan before. And and so I know because he would talk to me about all of the different podcasts and he would give encouraging words and even watching and listening to the empowering women podcast that we have and commenting on it. So Matt, he's one of those guys that we want to keep around us. So yeah. Okay, so another shout-out goes to North-South Supply. They are a family-owned and operated wholesale distributor of irrigation, well, and pool supplies. Established in 1978 in Vero Beach, Florida. But I just think it's really cool that they are promoting the podcast and sharing it when it makes sense to them and it's relevant to them. And so I really liked seeing that and I hope that more people will share and, you know, link back to other people's podcasts. Uh, we have seen that we've seen you, you know, sharing the post and, and sending it out, but go ahead and mention us. So we know that, you know, you want the shout out on the podcast too.
1: Okay. So today, like I mentioned in this segment, we're going to talk about the blog that Charlie wrote, taking the responsibility of leadership It's on our Empowering Brands website. The link will be in the show notes for you to click on and for you to read. It's a really great article. And I just, you know, Charlie, why don't you start by telling us why you wrote this? What's the point of the, the blog?
0: Yes. So I was just looking at all the different things that have been happening. And that is me being featured or being on a podcast or interviewing somebody and really all these meaningful things that maybe I forgot I said, but revisiting and kind of listening to this message go out. And a lot of it comes from that leadership launch pad project that we went through. And, and it's kind of top of mind of what kind of impact do I want to make and what is leadership? And so I think we talked about it on the maintenance community's career fair uh, when I was in the mentoring panel. And then also we did a leadership panel and we we're like, what is leadership? And I know we have posed this question to people constantly. Uh, but when you think about it, you think, okay, it's a choice. And, and I agreed with that. I think uh, Rob was telling you, this is a choice. And so i want going to go a little bit further from that and say, it's a responsibility. And that's because that choice to be a leader, you can make it. And then when things get tough, then you're like, okay, I might need to pass this off to somebody. You know, why am I here doing this kind of comes into play, uh, really like the why and understanding your why that takes you to that responsibility piece, that piece of saying, you know, what, well, I'm willing to build my business around this. I'm willing to stand out. I'm, re- I'm willing to use my voice to talk about this particular thing in, in leadership style. So when I think about that and leadership and all of the different people out there who I say, you, you can be a leader, right? What are you wanting to take responsibility for? What are you wanting to every day be a leader for? So I'm interested to hear that from everybody else but i think it's important that you know we think about that and think about what we want to be doing every day because that's help that's what's going to help you be that leader.
1: Well, and something you said about, you know, leadership is a choice which then leads to responsibility really resonates with me cuz i think one of the most powerful moments in in my life is when i realized like someone told me like you don't have to do that like you oh, have yeah. a choice and i can Frame everything in my life that way. And like, yeah, it would be bad if I chose not to wash the dishes ever, you know, like there would be consequences of that, but it's a choice. I'm free to make that choice, you know? That's right. So that's a message I can get behind in leadership is that, you know, it's a choice and I can choose to make it. And most of the time, the answer is yes, I'm choosing to do this because I can see the positive benefits in it. And so I appreciate you making the choice to be a leader and coming in and leading our team every day, you know, and I've really seen that in you. And so it's fun to talk about. Well, I
0: think, you know, the, I think the big thing here is if you don't, if you're not, if you are if you do not have full buy-in, if you're you know, trying to be a leader because they want you to be a leader or, you know, you're leading in a space that, you know, you're not really passionate about, or you don't feel that you have the tools to do that, um, you're not going to be as successful and you're probably going to burn out. And so, you know, I love talking about the, You know me on a stage in a gray suit because I was trying to fit in with a with a crowd that that I thought this is where this is how I can lead. I have to be a part of this, and it's just not the case. It's you know being your true authentic self is so much better than trying to be the leader that somebody else wants you to be. So taking responsibility for yourself and leading—that's what I'm talking about. I mean, it's it's just so clear, and it's it's amazing to see like doing that and, like, starting to say the things that need to be said, that's where the impact is. That's where you wake up and you're like, let's talk about this today. This is going to be great, you know. Which –
1: is a great lead-in to your
0: first point that you talk
1: about in the blog, using your voice. And so, you know, this is about, you know, you can use your voice to express yourself and engage with others and, you know, say what you need to say, but then you can also use it for other people. So like bringing in people that are underrepresented, and that could mean, you know, diversity in cultures or Age, But then also like within our industry, it could mean diversity in departments, different what your job is for the company, whether it's sales, engineering, etc. Those kind of things. So like really thinking and using your voice with the responsibility of speaking up for the other people who aren't there to lead.
0: Yeah. And this is so important. And I think it's the second point, right, is to use a group voice and think about this as looking at the group that you're in and everybody looks the same and you're talking to the same people and you're saying the same things over and over again. You're not really getting the best results from that. You're going to you know, just be doing the same things over and over. And so I think we have to figure out a way to stop limiting the people that are at the table, the people that are in this group or that group. We've talked about cross training and things like that in the past uh, where we, we do let, you know, some people come over and learn my work here, but I think it's more than that. It's really about listening to other people, even though you disagree with them and taking that and figuring out, okay, where is some common ground? Where can we innovate? Where can we collaborate on these things? It's not saying I've got to believe just like this person over here. So I think bringing those voices together is just so important.
1: Agreed. And part of that, once you have them in the room, is like getting people to speak, to talk. And, you know, not everyone is an extrovert that has a podcast and, you know, likes to interview people. Some people aren't comfortable talking in front of people or talking in a group setting. And so you give us some tips for getting their voices out. And some of the fun ones that I really liked were just – asking people what they care about, just straight up, you know, like outside of work, what do you do for fun? That's my line. Did you steal that from me? I, I did. Cause I heard it on the podcast, <laughs> but then I think the important part, which you do that you do it without saying that's important that people know the follow-up to that is you just, you have to ask the question to hear the answer, not ask the question to respond to what they say, you know, like to really listen and absorb what they're saying. And when you do that, you know, people feel more comfortable and start talking. Or you could do games. You talk about games and participation games and that kind of stuff. But it's just at the crux of it, making everyone feel like their voice is allowed to be there and like their voice is valued.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing there is you as the leader of the conversation or the group or or whatever, your job is to look for people who are being quiet and they aren't talking and ask them for their perspective pull them into you. Some people may need more time to process, right? So if you ask a question in the early part of the meeting, maybe they don't get around to kind of okay, this is what I want to say to that until maybe later on. And so provide that and say, well, what do you think about this later on in the call? And I think that's really important to note. Um, The other thing that I really like, and and it's just really fun uh, to talk about for a marketing company is that marketing matters. And we talk about how sales and marketing need to work together. They need to feed off each other. They need to you know, create these ideas together, how, how in the world is marketing going to know what to send out if they're not involved in the timelines or the objectives or, you know, understand the business. Um, So letting marketing in the room, bringing their ideas, having conversations, talking about strategy, this is going to be key for the future and for sales, for marketing, for business, um, definitely marketing needs to be involved. So I really like that topic for sure.
1: Yeah, and when I first got into the industry, and you know, I was at the Turbo Show in Houston. One of like some of the really good marketers that I knew that were amazing marketers. The one I can think of is Andy Martin. Like he was always there, always happy. He's the marketing person, but he's in the booth. He's working with all the salespeople. He was like really understanding their process, and I think that's what you know I really learned from him that you have to understand the sales and understand the product to be a good marketer. And so I really liked that point. And, you know, how to be a good leader is understanding that all of those work together.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, And your last point that you talk about is that it's important to look at marketing as if you were a buyer, which lets me talk about my favorite subject for marketing in general is empathy. I think that's the number one thing you can do as a marketer is to really like understand people, understand their pain points, understand where they are and what they need. And so that's like, if you're leading a process, that's going and pretending that you are the customer and you're Googling things to see where you show up. You're seeing how the process works, what forms you have to fill out because part of being a good leader, and I wrote this down as a quote from your blog so I could say it right, part of being a leader is knowing both the questions and the answers. So being able to anticipate that, just really good advice to take with you.
0: I love it. I love it. So one of the things, you know, just to sum everything up is that leadership launch pad project and the podcast that I did. So if you didn't get enough about leadership here and you want to you know, really dive in deep of what Charlie's leadership looks like and thoughts about it, um, you can listen to that. We'll include the link in the show notes. But at the end of the day, if you think I want to be a leader, um, just remember to tell yourself that you are a leader. And that is really, that's really all, right? You have to believe it. And then everybody else can believe it as well. And I know you're a leader. And if you're having those thoughts and want to continue that journey, feel free to reach out to me. I love talking leadership, as you know. So yeah, call me. Awesome. Okay. Now I think we should
1: move into the news. This is where we're going to preview something coming out for the Empowering Pumps and Equipment newsletter. If you're not signed up for that, do it. The link's in the show notes, and then you get a nice couple of emails to your inbox every week to see what's going on in the industry. We're going to start out this week with our person of the week that we want to highlight is Leah Freeberg. She's a senior strategist with Destrier Communications, and her profile's in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things I wanted to point out, uh, she is part of the Maintenance and Reliability Network. But when we ask her, you know, what is some advice you want to give? um, She let us know about this LinkedIn group that she's a part of. And that those, you know, has really helped her in her work and provided like career advice and and that type of thing. So we really wanted to give you this resource that she says, and I, I believe this, right? Any of these kind of communities and groups. And you'll see more and more of this happening. Uh, But being able to give that as a resource to people, um, I thought was really cool.
1: On that note, it's all about finding the right one. That's the right fit for you. And you know, maybe you're not in maintenance and reliability, but there are other options out there and other groups that you can be a part of that are really beneficial. And I liked that she highlighted that for sure. So add her on LinkedIn, her that's in her profile as well. Uh, on our website. And then if you know someone that should be a person of the week uh, feature on our site, please nominate them. It's super easy. Just put their name in their email and we'll take care of the rest.
0: Yes. I love reaching out and telling people that they've been nominated for industry person of the week. It's amazing. Uh, They're always shocked. They're always shocked. I'm imagining you as the
1: published and clear clearinghouse check. Like Charlie shows up in their inbox and is like, here is your $5,000 in perpetuity. I mean, your nomination.
0: Yes, I mean, we're going to talk about you and say how awesome you are. And it's awesome, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the news. Uh, The first item is understanding and avoiding pump cavitation. And I picked this one because I love talking about pump cavitation because I get it, understand it. But this article from Surumi, one of our partners, Mike, an application engineer, wrote it for us, and it's really an overview of cavitation. Uh, We all know, if you don't, let me tell you, it's a destructive issue. It tears things up. Uh, Even the highest quality pumping equipment, it is going to wreak havoc on that. This occurs when air bubbles are generated inside the pump because of a particular pressure drop or flowing liquid uh, resulting in cavitation. So Let's let's just let them explain that a little bit more clearly. So the article that was pretty good. Okay, thanks. Uh, the article goes in to explain it this way: that there are two types of cavitation, suction and discharge. Uh, they also talk about what the warning signs are, and I can tell you that I know this. Uh, it's a noisy pump. Okay, it sounds like you know pumping rocks or something like that. I loved that in the article.
1: It was like, you cannot miss it. You, if you hear it, you know, it. (laughs) That's
0: right. That's right. Okay. So, you know, what can be done about this, you know, and the avoidable outcomes, right? So I think that this is something that everybody needs to know in the pump industry is all about cavitation and what that means. So check out this article links in the show notes. What about you, Bethany? Do you have one for us? Yeah, I have an article from Cornell Pump, who's a new partner. We're happy to share
1: their story with us that they sent us. So the article from Cornell Pump is remote monitoring advantages in mining. And so they talk about new and innovative solutions coming to the mining industry. So Through IIoT, their process, you can have alerts, reports, monitoring, and modeling for the mining industry, which previously hasn't been as readily available. Some of the advantages of Cornell's innovative co-pilot pump monitoring system are you can have remote access, fuel monitoring, planned maintenance, reduced downtime, greater energy efficiency business analytics, greater safety, remote support, and more. They have a list of 12 different benefits of their program that they go in detail about each of the 12 things. You can really understand what the benefits are of this new technology that they're sharing with us. And um, you should definitely check it out, especially if you're in the mining industry. And again, thanks Cornell Pump for sharing it with us.
0: Yeah, it's so great to see innovation in the mining industry. We talk about that a lot and and needing it and wanting it. So this this is excellent.
1: And... Now we're going to move into the industry interview. This is a segment where Charlie goes out and finds a leading person in the industry and brings them here to share their story with all of us. And I think it's one of the tenets of her leadership that she wants to help share positive stories in the industry and give us all a tool to help better us in our career, which is why she has a great person for the interview today. So who do you have, Charlie?
0: So I have a great interview for you today. Uh, Richard D'Amato, he is the CEO and president of Brown and Caldwell, and he is a senior executive with 28 years of experience. Uh, He's worked in operation, maintenance, consulting, process engineering, design, uh, focused on developing client solutions around environmental, water, wastewater, and infrastructure, and he just has a passion for water and diversity and inclusion. And I actually met him on a panel and you'll hear this in the video, but a panel for, you know, women in water at WebTech. And I was like, I have to know more of this man's story. Uh, I want to know what he stands for, why he's here, what he's trying to accomplish. So you'll hear a lot of that as well. And it was just, you know, really great to have him say yes to talking on World Water Day. And I think you're really going to enjoy the the interview.
1: That's awesome. I'm really excited. So without further delay, here's your interview.
0: Rich, welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: So tell us what you do. I mean, I met you kind of randomly through a video chat when we were at Weftech. But yeah. tell people kind of what your day job is and and what it looks like every day.
2: Well, great. Yeah. Well, first off, Brown and Caldwell is a uh, is a one hundred percent employee owned company that uh, does one hundred percent environmental. So what that means is, is we do water projects, wastewater projects, environmental cleanup projects, permitting, things like that, and. Uh, It's a great company. We're a mid-sized company, and uh, being employee-owned really, we feel, allows us to be a purpose-driven company. Uh, And our purpose is to have positive impact on our people, our clients, the communities we serve, and, of course, our environment. Uh, And I'm lucky in that I get to be uh, the leader. I'm the CEO for Brown and Caldwell. And uh, my primary role is making sure our people have what they need to deliver to our clients, making sure I understand what our clients' needs are, setting strategy, allocating resources, and again, all focused on having positive impact.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I saw that employee owned. How is that different?
2: That's a good question. You know, um, I think the main difference in employee ownership is is if you think about every company has to be owned, and if you look at all the different stakeholders, and I and I just said it earlier in our purpose, we're really focused on our people, on our clients, and, and our environment, and because we're one hundred percent employee owned our people are our stakeholders too. That's, you know, that's who we are. And so we're very aligned around a purpose versus, you know, just out there to make money or to be the biggest company or the most global company. It, 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 and, and what I really love about being employee owned is, is that we get to decide the employees decide what's most important, how we want to spend our time, how we want to spend our money. And traditionally we can take more of a longer term focus on what that looks like for us. And, uh, again, it's not about you know. Again, traditional publicly traded markets, you have investors that don't even know what your business is, and they're they're expecting to put some money down on your company and make a return. So it's all about the profit. And for us, uh, again, the profit for us, we want to make a fair profit, but that profit gets reinvested back into the company into our people to support our purpose of having positive impact. So it's not about making money for us, although we have to be really good at making sure we make a fair profit because we fund ourselves, right? But that, we get to decide, you know, do we, do we work We work with organizations like Engineers Without Borders and Water for People and our, our folks like to give back in that way and the company helps support that as well. So, you know, it's, it's just more holistic, I think, around the employee and our clients and we don't have to worry about that outside stakeholder.
0: So I want to back up a minute because sure. I, I, well, I want to talk about all the things that you just said. But before that, I want to get into how did you get into water in this focus? I know you've got a background in that and several different companies you've been with. Uh, has it has it always been in you to kind of make that difference in water?
2: Always is like, you know, I like to say I'm, I'm still not really sure what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> so I, I've been a lifelong learner. The short version of that story is, is I've always I was really good in um science and math and, and, and the STEM areas. And uh, when I was younger, uh, I just I just took the path of least resistance, honestly. you know, So going to uh, engineering school was the way to do it. And I thought I wanted to be a doctor and a family friend said that I would have a much better chance of getting into uh, med school if, as an engineer versus pre-med. So that's what I really started out with just saying, hey, science and math, maybe I wanna be a doctor. And so I went into civil engineering and it was okay you know it, but it really probably wasn't until my sophomore or junior year that i started taking the water classes water chemistry water resources water treatment wastewater treatment that i really figured out i had a passion for for that it was really interesting to me and you know back in those college days you know my big thing was is we are we're, we're, were continually increasing manufacturing and new products and things like that and that's you know, almost um, against the environment in some ways. And so what could I do to contribute to allow us to progress and to make these new chemicals and things like that, but protect our environment? And I got really interested in in the water treatment side of things, the wastewater treatment side, and developing bacteria to to remove nasty chemicals from water and and clean it up. So that's kind of how it took place. And then I went to grad school to focus just on water and again, the biological treatment side of things. And I, and I really geeked out and got into the to, to the biological aspect of it, but thought it was a great way for me to spend a career and help the environment because I love recreating with water.
0: So I have to ask you, because you're, you're talking about these different chemicals in the water, uh, I have to ask you about PFAS and kind of what what you're dealing with it, you know how you're dealing with it? what's your what's your view if you can answer that question? because it is. it's a it's a chemical we use regularly, but it's getting into our water.
2: Yeah, you know, Charlie at Brown and Caldwell, one of the things that makes us differences is we have a uh, we're also research oriented. And so from a technical standpoint, uh, we're consistently looking at, Uh, new and innovative ways to take things out of water or to improve efficiency in water treatment. And we call uh, PFAS would fit into what we call emerging contaminants, and so these are new contaminants, new new problems that are arising that we're going to have to deal with as an industry at some point. And it, it includes PFAS. It includes things maybe like microplastics, if you've heard about microplastics in water. Yes. And you know, it's one. It's in a gray area right now where we know it's a concern. We know that it can be bad for us in in, in certain amounts, uh, but it's not heavily regulated yet. And because of its concern, though, it is a lot of work's been being done around that. And so we're doing things around what is you know helping our clients to quantify you know what is the issue, working with regulators like EPA to define what is acceptable, what's not, what are the treatment methods. And so I think it's really early on in, in, in that stage of, of of regulating and treating for this 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 chemical. The interesting thing is um, right now because they're so ubiquitous in the environment. The, the treatment methodologies are more focused on capturing it or containing it versus destroying it or, or being destructive and converting it into something less harmful. Uh, but again, we have some partnerships and we're working on uh, some things in our R&D lab in Nashville uh, that would result in in a destructive method for treating PFAS. So uh, we got a great team of people working on it right now You know, and learning with our clients. We've actually won some projects recently with some large utilities that are I would call them they're more on the forefront of, of things. They're not being regulated yet, but they want to get ahead of it. They want to have a, a say in in the matter in terms of defining what good looks like in terms of PFAS and how we should treat it. So um, that's that's a definitely a hot topic right now, and we're right in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, and I feel like it, it does take the research and understanding of how we use it in our everyday lives, I mean, you talked about the microplastics, and I can remember learning about that—the uh, microbeads in our like body wash—and you know, I'm just like, oh, I can't use that anymore. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, you kind of want to use it, and you know, this is something that helps you with your body, same as like some of the coatings and things that we use. It, it makes life easier. So where's the give and take? And I think that's what we have to really understand. So I'm, I'm glad to know that y'all are working on
2: that. Working on it, yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. interesting too, Charlie, in that I had a professor when I was, you know, again, at Clemson University, I did grad school down there. And he always told me, uh, you know, that we're always solving, we're trying to solve the problems of the past, things that we did 20 years ago that now that we weren't thinking about 20 years ago, what the impact would be. And I think we've come a long way. You know, we're more thinking more about sustainability in the future, but but again, I I, I don't know if we're, uh, you know, I think we got to really look hard at the way we do things. Uh, chemicals, for example, it's not that difficult for somebody to make a new chemical up and put it out on the market. Like, we don't have to prove that it's safe, so to speak. Um, you know, is that the right way we should regulate the introduction of new chemicals into our environment? You know, maybe not. Maybe there's a different way. Maybe there should be some pre-testing, you know, those kind of things, and I don't have the exact numbers, but you know, Great you know, ten thousand new chemicals a year, and and anybody can can start to manufacture them, and, and it's only when it becomes a problem, you know, where someone says, "Hey, this might be causing you know health impacts to people or to the environment," then we we retroactively kind of pull back and take a look at it. So, I'd like to see us do a little bit more, you know, forefront thinking and thinking about the impacts and how can we mitigate those upfront through the design and then the formulation process versus, okay, now it's out there and we got a problem. Let's fix it.
0: Yeah, that's that's so great. And I I do think that we are changing as a society and looking at it a little bit differently. Uh, Like you said, with the sustainable eye. Well, I will, I will. I mean, I feel like anytime we talk about water, I have to kind of bring up, you know, as we do different charities, you talked about uh, engineers without borders. I think there's plumbers without borders too. I mean, how do you decide, there's so many different charities um, and organizations that you can work with. How do you decide, you know, kind of who you partner with in that?
2: Yeah, that that's a really good question. And it's timely. And uh, uh, I, could, I could go in a lot of different directions. And, and, and I think where I'll start, Charlie, is um, there's a major paradigm shift happening within businesses in the United States right now. And I've even heard people say capitalism's under attack. Uh, you know, and, and capitalism was all about making money and businesses were created to make money and to make shareholders, you know, their returns on their investments. And for the longest time, things like social responsibility and environmental responsibility, that was left to the local governments, to government, to NGOs, and to nonprofit organizations. Uh, and in fact, you know, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, a lot of businesses said, hey, we don't want to bring that into the workplace. I mean, that let them deal with that and lets us focus on our core competency. And what we're starting to see now is with, you know, ESG, are you familiar with the, with the concept of ESG, environment, social, and governance? Yes,
0: that's right. Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yes. people, investors, uh, employees, communities now, they care about uh, the non-financial impacts that companies are having. And, and we feel that business now has a responsibility to, to be socially and environmentally responsible. And we're starting to see that uprising and that pressure from the investors as well. Uh, now, so at Brown and Caldwell, we've always been. Our legacy has been, like I said, our purpose is to have positive impact, to give back to the communities that we serve. So we got a little bit of a head start, but but we know we can be better as well. And so one of the things that we're doing right now is is we're creating a uh, a foundation that's focused on having positive impact, and we're right now in the in the startup of this thing. So I don't have a lot of answers, but we're defining the type of causes and, and, and the, the type of impact that we wanna have. And of course, it's gonna be around water and the environment. But if you look at our company across, you know, we're, we're 1,700 employees, 53 offices across the United States, and we're, we're primarily US and Western Canada. Every one of our offices, because of our purpose and because of the way our people have this, this uh, passion to give back, we're all doing things locally already in our local communities. And so we thought by having a BC foundation, we could better uh, organize and 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 multiply the impact that we're having. And uh, right now, two of our long-term partners have been Engineers Without B- uh, Borders and Water for People, and those are two great organizations that are focused around bringing clean drinking water and sanitary services to disadvantaged countries and communities that don't have access to these basic things that we all have here in the United States. And our people get really excited about that, you know. And and it for Water for People a lot of what we do is we help raise funds. Um, their model is, is they have a, a sustainable model where they go to different parts of, of the world where they're trying to implement these projects and they partner with these communities and these local governments. Uh, we do have some opportunities for employees to go there and help, but most of it is, we do fun things to help raise money to help fund what they're doing. You know, like a lot of times in our offices here, in, in I'm in Denver, our Denver office, we do this thing called the brew and we have uh, clients and we have employees that like to brew their own beer. And we have a, a, a beer brewing contest and a tasting contest and people have to pay to take a taste and they're donating all of the proceeds for water for people. And so you take that and you say, Oh, well, if you raise a couple thousand dollars, it's not a big deal, but then multiply it by 53 offices and multiply it by five or six times a year that we do that. Um, so it's a great way for people to engage and have positive impact without having to uh, you know, make a, a, a more major commitment like engineers Without Borders, for example, uh, we may actually send employees overseas to one of these communities where they're actually you know on the ground helping people to build the infrastructure and to train people uh, that's a little bit more bigger commitment for, for someone to make you know to go somewhere for two weeks and sometimes more than a month uh, we send people
0: yeah I'm, I'm fascinated with it. I'm always looking, you know, to figure this out because I, I see so many great organizations. But Water for People probably uh, touches touches me because, you know, I have been trying to raise money for a chair. I guess it's a charity, what you would call it, um, but a trip over to Uganda for people to, um, you know, install the pump and and it's and to see this come to life more recently in senegal uh, but there's there's all kinds of different places that need water and so finding an organization that you can kind of constantly fund or, or, um, be a part of, I think that that is what I'm looking for just for my business, similar to what you're doing with the foundation. Um, you want to know that you're re you have regular campaigns to push towards this project and people that are doing it already and know exactly what they're, how to do it. So I'm excited to hear more about that. And, um, it sounds fascinating. This idea, it's not really an idea. It's, it's a, a strategy really about how to give back and make it part of your business plan.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Like I said, it's always been part of us, you know. And you know, but but again, it's things have changed. And uh, if if you don't change, you know, you're you're not going to grow as a company. And so again, we we feel good about who we are and where we've been, but but we're not perfect, right? We we have to we have to continually improve, and we have to be better. And it's, but but things like um, again, social responsibility and environmental responsibility. Uh, they're core to, to, to our being of, of who we are and the thing that's really cool about it though charlie is is that it just makes really good business sense right you know take diversity diversity inclusion what boardroom would you go to today and ask a question in a board to say is, is dni important to your business like who would say no like everybody says yes but it's really right. easy, it's it's really easy to say the right words and so what we look for is the actions, right? What our people look for in us is they're like, we don't want to hear you say the words. We want to see what you're doing. You know, how are we making a difference? How are we truly investing? But I believe that if you don't pay attention, that you're going to fall behind. And on top of it, you, know, you just take D&I again, for example. I mean, it's proven. I mean, it's a known fact that diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams. And so if you're a leader in a business and someone came to you and said, You can outperform your competitors by 15 to 20% if you do X. Like, why wouldn't you do X? I mean, that's what I don't understand. But there's people that that maybe don't feel that way or don't believe it. You know, so number one, we believe that it helps our business. It helps us serve our clients better. Uh, Of course, it's the right thing to do, right? And it's part of who we are. But, but there's a real business advantage to doing it. So, so we want to, you know, do everything we can to make sure that we're being as strong as we can in those areas. And, and again, we're not, we're not perfect. We got, we got a lot of room to grow in, in areas. And so, uh, but we're working on it, right. And, and we're involving our people uh, in, as part of the solution in that as well.
0: Yeah. And I like how you uh, talked about how you have to take action. You can't just talk the talk. Um, and that's where I met you. I, I met you at Weftech and in a woman in water you know, meeting. Uh, you asked a question and I'm like, what is he doing here? I want to know more about him. And I think it's that you know, ad- advocacy for women and your participation, that's the example that we want to set for companies. And, yeah. um, you're accepting that example for your organization, um, and, and now becoming a leader in that space, uh, just because you took the initiative to be there to learn, like, what does this look like? Yeah. You know, what doesn't, what does, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion mean? What is, what does that even look like in business? And so we are at the stage of figuring out a way of how we can create action um, that makes an impact for, you know, I think it's hard sometimes in our space for women to, you know, be our own advocates. It seems kind of uh, like we're bragging, you know, we don't like to brag, but it's it's so much better when um, you have that male advocacy around you that can support you. And so, you know, what have you seen, I guess, from then that was, you know, back, I guess, what, last October? Yeah. What have you seen as far as, you know, changes or uh, conversations around this?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a great question and in all these different areas. um, I like to tell people that, you know, 2020 for me, I was on a mission to listen. Um, There were a lot of different things going on. And, um, you know, again, at, at our company, our goal, you know, we... Brown and Caldwell, we do things differently. We brand things differently. So at Brown and Caldwell, we don't talk about diversity and inclusion. We talk about balance and belonging, right? We want to create a balanced organization where everybody feels like they belong and they can reach their full potential. And so that journey for us has been creating employee network groups, right? So we have a woman in engineering employee network group. We have a a community of color networking group. We have a a uh, professional parents networking group. Uh, we have uh, uh, before Covid, we had you know this started but with a, a virtual employee network and 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 these are affinity groups where people of like mindedness can get together and talk about you know what they want to see, what they need, what they're experiencing. But what's been great about it is it's these aren't exclusive to just the people. Like you don't have to have a, a child to be in the parents ENG, right? You 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 might wanna be like, hey, you know what, I I'm a managing, I manage six people and and five of them have kids. What are they going through? And so these these communities allow people to share their experiences and it allows what we call our allies, our people that may not be in that group, to participate and listen in, to understand that perspective. Because really it's all about understanding, right? If we can all understand where each other's coming from, then you know you learn and you can do things. And so for me, especially as a leader and as a technical person, whenever there's a problem presented, you always feel like you have to solve it, right? And so someone says, Hey, what are we going to do about DI, balance and belonging? Like, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to tell them what our answer is. And I got really good feedback from folks. That's like, no one. These are complicated issues right now. Nobody expects you to have the answer, but they want to know you're listening, right? They want to know. And and so for me, again, at the beginning, I told you I have to make strategic decisions on what we do. I allocate resources. Well, How can I do that if I'm not listening to the people, you know, and trying to understand what does a day look like for a person of color at Brown and Caldwell? You know, what does a day look like for a woman engineer, for for a parent that's working at home right now that has two young kids that that is trying to balance work and life? So that's been really helpful for us to understand. And then on top of that, we hired a, uh, a head of balance and belonging uh, of diversity and inclusion at Brown and Caldwell. And that was a big decision for us because, you know, again, whether, you know, think about health and safety. It's all of our jobs to to provide a healthy and safety work environment. And so when it comes to balance and belonging, we're like, well, it's our jobs as leaders to create that. But we hire experts and professionals in health and safety to help us understand what are the right ways to do things. And we said, you know what? We should hire an expert that knows this. There's experts out there in D&I because we don't know everything, you know. Engineers are a funny group of people, you know, like it's Engineers think they can do all these different things, right? So if you're the friendliest person, you can do sales. If you're if you're super nice to employees, you should be the head of HR. If you know how to work a really cool macro on a spreadsheet, maybe you could be the head of you know IT. And there's actually people that do that for a living that understand that go to school. And so so we brought our head of DNI in to look at what we were doing and to help us take that next step to go to that next level. And one of the things, you know, she's only been here for about Three to four months, and she's already having impact. You know, we're creating a diversity and inclusion council of about fifteen employees. Um, that are going to, you know, their purpose is to help us understand all these different wants and needs and, and issues, and rec- make recommendations on how we can take those right actions. What are those right actions? Because I just feel as leaders, we can't just sit at the top and say we should do this, we should do that. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a woman at Brown and Caldwell. Uh, so part of the reason I went to that was we were doing our own thing, and I'm like, "Oh, this is cool. This is an industry thing. Let me see what's going on here." And if you were to come on one of our calls for a women's ENG, you know, there's there's going to be more than three men on those calls. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I think that's what there was on the on on um, the uh, the Weftech. So, uh, any rate, I think the last thing I'd say on that, you know, as an industry. Uh, in the technical field, we have a long ways to go on, on diversity and inclusion. We have decent statistics, and if you compare Brown and Caldwell um, to our peer companies, we actually do really well. And again, it's because it's who we've always been, um, we're getting more intentional about it. But if you compare our industry to the rest of the industries in the United States, we're really behind. Right. And so part of what we're trying to do, too, is we want to do what's right for us and our people. But we also feel we have a responsibility that we can also help bring the industry up. You know, so uh, so we're looking forward to, to doing the hard work there.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm so thankful that we do have you leading the way. Um, I, I believe that you are, like you said, if you think about where you are in all companies, you may be behind. But in the water industry, you're ahead right? And so I always say that I'm in the pump industry, definitely has a lot of water there. Uh, But it's we are very male dominated, uh, especially at our in our C suite, and we're looking for ways that we can bring people together to have conversations so that we can make that better. And it's just great to have an example. Um, so I'm really thankful for you coming on here today and yeah. and talking through that and giving giving our leaders um, and a real example of how you can in, you know implement this within your own organizations, how you can reach out for help. One the question I always ask is, you know, is there anything else just kind of as we've been talking that you're like, "Okay, I really want to tell this audience about
2: yeah, I think one thing you know there'd be two things. The first one would just be that what's really cool about this industry is um it's a really competitive industry, you know most of that work that we go after uh, we have to compete for you know, and so we're competing against global companies that are the best out there, but what I love about it is is that we all come together on certain things, you know. So, for example, when COVID came came up, all the CEOs we were getting together, we were talking to each other, we were sharing what we were doing, whether it was how we were communicating, what we were doing to help our people, our clients. We weren't afraid to do that, right? You know, one day we're competing, hand-to-hand combat, going after the big job. Uh, the next day we might be partners, a 50-50 joint venture working together to win a job together. Or, you know, I may get a phone call or or I may call a CEO at one of our competitors and say, hey, I got this problem I'm working on and I'm stuck. You know, any advice? And so that's been really cool for me. I didn't know that about as much about the industry because, you know, until I until I got into this role. And, and so I like that. And, and again, when it comes to D and I. There's a lot of other companies that want to do the right thing, too, and we're sharing best practices. You know, we're sharing what are we doing because, again, we want to float all boats here. It's not about putting somebody else down so that you can be better. This is what's right to do. Uh, The second thing I'll say is that we have to remember, like, and you can do both, but you have to remember what our, our core mission is it's to deliver incredibly innovative and technical projects for our clients. You know, so we're being asked to do and work on some of the most challenging projects in the United States around water, around water supply, wastewater treatment, um, all those things. And that's what we do, right? And so we, 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 but you can do that in a socially and environmentally way, uh, responsible way. You don't have to, it's not one for the other, but we can't lose sight and swing the balance too much, right? There's been a lot of great, awareness has been brought up this year through the things that have happened the past year on the social front, the, the equity, the justice. Uh, and so we're taking advantage of that momentum and making change and doing things. But, but if we don't deliver good projects, we're not going to be in business, right? You know. And so we, so what I like is that we're doing at Brown and Caldwell is we're 100% focused on being that top technical firm to serve our clients' needs. But we're also you know trying to do our part to be socially and environmentally responsible and make that positive impact.
0: Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it's going to help the bottom line for sure. Uh, and it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So those two combinations is a win in business. You can keep that and keep your, you know, being true to your goals and your values and your mission uh, within the company. So I, I just learned so much from you, Rich, and I'm just so excited that you joined me today. I look forward to seeing you again uh, in the future. If, if anybody wanted to contact you, what's the best way that they can contact you?
2: For me personally, uh, LinkedIn works really well. You can find me on LinkedIn. Our company is on LinkedIn. Br- you know, Our website is brownandcaldwell.com. It's all spelled out. Uh, and we're all over social media like everybody else. So uh, we're, we're not that hard to find if you Google us.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again.
2: Thanks. I had a great conversation. Uh, enjoyed being here.
1: And we're back, Charlie. Thanks so much for bringing Rich on the show. It was a great interview, especially on World Water Day. And I always love hearing the interviews that you pick for us.
0: Yeah, it's my favorite sharing these stories. But this brings us to the end of the show. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Do us a favor: subscribe, rate,
1: and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to it, and leave us a comment on YouTube so that we know you're there. Or be like Matt and take a picture and share it to your social
0: media. It will make my day. I promise. Me too. Me too. Uh, always, you can reach us at Empowering Pumps using the hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast. We check that. We also check our email at podcast at empoweringpumps.com. We'll be back every Monday with a new episode. So until then, Be empowering. Let's get social. Let's get social.
1: Nope.
0: (laughs) That's the news. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to
1: figure out the the soundboard one of these days. Um, Well, try it again. Let's do it again. Well, I accidentally hit X on it
0: and then it deleted. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm sorry.